All right, welcome back to Inside Flix. This is our weekly box office report. So without further ado, Rich, tell us which films made the top five this past weekend at the box office. The number one film in America is Magic Mike's Last Dance with 8.3 million. Coming in number two is Avatar The Way of Water with 7.2 million. Number three is the re-release of Titanic with 6.7 million. Number four is 80 for Brady with 5.8 million. Round out the top five is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, with 5.5 million. So Magic Mike's last dance, it closed out the franchise with a number one crown. But, you know, it's a, a week weekend because of Super Bowl. Right. Uh, but, you know, good for them, I guess. Good good, good for um, uh, Shannon Tatum. <laughs> yeah, like you said, a win's a win for that movie. I mean, that's what that's what they had to accomplish to to actually edge out the, the, the win. And they got the number one. But we really, really expected Titanic to do more more uh, because Magic Mike didn't get that much screens. It had less than uh, 1,500 screens. It did pretty well. I mean, it, it averaged 5,000, over 5,000 per screen. So that's that's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I think the movie was actually originally attended as a HBO Max exclusive release. But um, David Zaslav's trying to get as much money out of this thing as possible. And yeah, I guess it was a smart move. Well, it's a better move than, you know, house party. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but um, this is actually kind of the number I was expecting Magic Mike to come in and I was expecting it to make about 8 million. I'm just so surprised that everything else, you know, came in so low because I thought Magic Mike was going to be like number three, maybe even number four at the box office. Yeah, well, Avatar The Way of Water came in number one on Saturday and Sunday. But the difference was huge. Uh, on Sunday, it was just nobody went to theaters at whatsoever. I mean, yeah, on, makes sense. On, on Sunday, it was over a fifty percent drop up for the number one film. So, well, I mean, it's the Super Bowl weekends historically have have produced low box office numbers, and like you were saying, huge drops on Sunday because most of the people in America are at home watching the the big game. And I, you know, I suppose Warner Brothers did a good job using uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance as counter programming to to the Super Bowl and it worked and uh, you know Magic Mike was able to uh grind his way onto the top there <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm still not ready to necessarily say that you know Magic Mike succeeded <laughs> because you know 8 million again is still not a great number i mean it doesn't look like this is going to even make about half as much as the last Magic Mike movie and the last Magic Mike movie was already considered a disappointment compared to the first one so, I mean, this is just like a, a, a failing franchise. Yeah, no, but just, I mean, just getting the number one film, that's the, that's the goal of every every uh, movie. I mean, just to, to come in number one for this opening weekend, and that's what it did. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing, that's the only thing it's going to achieve. And that's the only title you really need for this, you know, because it, like, like you were saying, Raymond, this was originally supposed to be released on HBO Max. And so this is all kind of extra bonus stuff. It could have been a lot worse. But uh, eighty for Brady, which which came in, you know, at number two last weekend, um, uh, it had a big drop this week uh, with fifty four percent. I think I think fifty four fifty four percent drop is pretty good for eighty for Brady. I think I think the movie's like it, it's done super well. <laughs> well, let's look at the rest of the top ten. Uh, Rich, the number six film is Knock at the Cabin. Number seven film is A Man Called Otto. Number eight film is Missing. Nine is Megan, and the tenth film is Plain. But yeah, like you were saying about 80 for Brady, that movie had a huge drop. Well, Knock at the Cabin had even a, a bigger drop. Yeah, it was number one last weekend. This is not a great sign for M. Night and his kind of immediate future, but 
I think the the positive that he could get out of this particular film is that it was actually a low budget movie. It's only I think it was only twenty million to make. So that's the only thing that kind of really saving it right now. Yeah. So the the one thing M Night really has going for him is he can produce a movie under budget. <laughs> that's right. the one thing. I mean, it's a, it's a gamble with him. You might have a success, you might have a bomb, but I mean, it won't cost you a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's his own, uh, you know, Bloomhouse. I don't even, I don't even know what M Night's audience is anymore. I think we were we had this conversation a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Like, I I remember there was a time where where everyone knew who M Night was, and he was the twist guy. You know what I mean? But that was like a decade and a half ago, and then like he took a giant break, and then he kind of came back as somebody else, as something else. So I don't, I don't even know what, how to how to categorize him anymore. I was talking to you about how if M Night is embraced by the horror community. And I don't think he is really, and maybe that a lot of it has to do that he never really kind of brings up classic horror movies. He's when he talks about his influences, it's always about you know other filmmakers. Spike Lee's Spiel, Spielberg comes up, you know. He never really talks about horror movies, and you know if you look at his first movie, the, he did a, a movie, an independent movie in the nineties, and uh, you could you could watch it on on YouTube. It was called Praying with Anger. It's a nineteen ninety two film. And it's a movie that, uh, this is feature film debut, and he stars in it. It's a lost movie. It's like a movie that never really got released. And it's not necessarily a horror movie, but it's it, it's really a coming-of-age film where he plays an Indian-American who has, who gets a, he's a troubled student, and he goes to India to get his, get, get back to his roots, get back to his culture, kind of like a fish-out-of-water type of film. It's, well, let's not let's not forget that he he wrote Stuart Little also. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it took a couple of films for him to finally kind of realize that oh, I could like build my whole career around this thriller, suspense thriller thing. Do you want to do you want to see him do another like um like a, adaption? Because I think that, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is like his first ad- adapted movie, at least in, in a very long time. He's been mostly doing original movies. And um, I don't know. It seems like every time he adapts something, it, it kind of backfires. Because now we have this, and we have the the last Airbender, and like, do we do we want him to do stuff like this? Oh well, I don't know. I mean, his future could be in television. Uh, he, that show that he does for Apple TV Servant, I guess that uh, I haven't seen it, but it, it's it gets like critical praise, and people seem to like it. So maybe that's his future to be, you know, to to do more kind of scripted television. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to spend a lot of time. He just could be a producer on on that on those projects. Um, to go back to Magic Mike's Last Dance, although it's getting mediocre reviews, a lot of people are praising uh, Selma Hayek's performance in that. So okay. Selma Hayek is also a voice in Puss in Boots. So that's kind of right. two big things for her right now. Well, but Selma Hayek's one of those actresses, you know. She's like never going to go away. You know what I mean? Like she could do like four bad movies in a row <laughs> and it's not going to affect her career. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so I mean, her being in two hits, it's like, all right, cool. And she could next year, she could be like four bad movies and it'll be all right. She'll have like a, some, some good ones around the corner. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I think secretly she's like this really constant working professional who has now gone into like this phase in her career where she is. I, I would say, like, she is much more of a distinguished uh, actress, and I don't know if people give her enough credit for that. I think people give her credit. I think she's one of those actresses that, like, even if she's, like, in a bad movie, she still delivers in it. And in fact, a lot of times, you know, and when she's in a bad movie, you know, people say she's the best thing in the movie. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So she, she makes your movies better. 
I, I, I think she gets the credit she deserves. Uh, uh, getting back to Magic Mike, uh, uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance, uh, let's not forget that Salma Hayek uh, came in uh, to, to replace uh, Dandy Wade Newton in this film who uh, had a conflict with Channing Tatum and the rest of the production um, crew. Right. Um, and, um, and and since her performance is so, uh, being praised by this, um, that's just a, a great uh, thing on her resume. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, she's, you know, that's that's a great thing for her. Yeah, I mean, her, it, her career. It, it really seems like she's constantly working. She's very reliable. And I, you know, like I was saying, I don't, I don't know if she gets that much credit for for these things uh, in the industry, but um, I, I I think she gets a lot of credit. But I think I think Th- Andy Newton actually kind of needed this more, more than her. Probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah. And I like but, I, this, I, this. This is this. I yeah, I like Andy Newton a lot. I, I like Sam Hayek more, but <laughs> that's that's also a big part of a uh, big part of reasons because I I've just I've been a fan of Sam Hayek since I was a little boy. Right, right. I mean, I, I didn't know about Andy Newton. Well, actually, I've been I've been watching the Andy Newton movies since I was a little boy too. I since since Nor- I guess I didn't Nor- I didn't I <laughs> no I probably guess it's like Crash and uh, Chronic- Chronicles of Riddick and stuff. But like I didn't really um I guess notice her until like maybe like ten years ago. Well, I to to quickly talk about Candy Newton. I thought in the beginning of her career she was like a not that great of an actress. I think now she has become a really really strong actress. But Selma. On the other hand, I think she was always a strong actress, just never really given the opportunity to show what she was able to do. And when I think of Salma Hayek, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking about the first time watching her in Desperado and Robert Rodriguez's films, you know, uh, Dust Till Dust Till Dawn, uh, and also, I guess the first time was the what was it called Road Road Chasers? Oh, I never saw that movie. It was like the TV movie, right? Road Racers. Uh, it was Robert Rodriguez, right? Right. Uh, road race. Yes, it's it's Road Racers. This is uh, a film that came, I think, right before, maybe the same year as Desperado, also directed by Robert Rodriguez, and it was a uh, I want to say it's a, a Showtime original film, kind of an anthology series. Maybe yeah, you picked it up. No, it was an anthology series because there were kind of uh, there was a bunch of directors d- doing their own kind of B movie fifties, you know, roadster, rebel, without a cause type of movies. This was part of some kind of series that, and one one of it was uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez. This is right right after he made a splash in Sundance with you know his first film El Mariachi, it, and then this is the first time he's he worked with Salma Hayek and really kind of you know cast her in multiple films after that. And to see her be this, you know, once talented Mexican actress from who came from soap operas or telenovelas, to see her now as like kind of a, a really distinguished uh, international actress, I think that's an amazing journey. Yeah, and I'm kind of disappointed in uh, that she didn't get uh, uh, enough opportunities after uh, getting nominated for a uh, role in Frida. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that 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 should have been a, the first spark to her career. Yeah, I, I, well, I feel like a lot of actresses in that era, like once they got like that Oscar nomination or even that Oscar win, they kind of just disappeared. Like those opportunities just went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's different now. I feel like now, if an actress gets nominated for an Academy Award, she gets offers. Like she, can, you, you see her like um, in, in like an oversaturation of the actress. You know what I mean? That, but that I don't think that was the case. Like when Salma Hayek was like in the '90s and early 2000s, I. I feel like if if you got nominated for an Academy Award, it's like okay, 
she can retire. <laughs> <laughs> that's Hollywood, man. It's, it's not like that anymore, but I mean, that's how it was. At least that's how I remember it. Yeah, I think it's getting a little bit better than that. <laughs> but I think, Am I lying? Like, No, I, well, I, I think what Salma is doing, you know, if you look at Salma's filmography, she is constantly working every year for the last 20 to 25 years, you know, so. No, that's true, but she she should have gotten more like, oh, yeah. uh, I, I, think that's, I think that's what Richard was saying, she should have gotten more like uh, like Oscar type of uh, role, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Instead, she's getting, you know, like um, uh, the Ryan Reynolds, Sam Jackson movie. <laughs> <laughs> which is, well, no, which is, it just took a long, it took a long time. Yeah. It just took a long time. I mean, she, she went back to uh, working with uh, Robert Rodriguez, of course, in Once Upon a Time in Mexico and other things. Um, but it, um, no one really went after her. I mean, for a role or whatever, she got passed up. Um, you know, that, that, that role in Frida should have got her, you know, something to mm-hmm. work with. Some, right. Some right, other right. stuff. I mean, uh, it, it, it definitely took a while. I mean, um, I would say grownups really helped her career. <laughs> yeah. it, it did. Cause that, uh, that's, that was the first comedy she did. It was right? the first comedy. It was a huge hit. It made her, uh. Very she's really good at comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think I think with Magic Mike at, in this role as a, you know, a uh, big time financer of the stage play, I was really shocked that that she was asked to play that part and was part of this film. And uh, hopefully, you know, her next opportunity is, will be an Oscar uh, contender. But well, you know, we'll see. Well, well, you can't you can't forget also that she was in the House of Gucci. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know. And she was really good in House of Gucci. I I liked her in House. No, I know. Well, I, I know, hate that. Was it. That's an Oscar. <laughs> that's an Oscar movie. Yeah, though. that's true. At least they were hoping for it. <laughs> well, so was but uh, so was Eternals. Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But um, you know, yeah, I sound like I I guess before we go to the next topic, she, yeah, she's just one of those actors that she can do. She could do comedy. She could do drama. She could do action too, and um, I she's not going to go away because she could do it all. And she gets better as she gets older, and that's uh, that's, and she doesn't age. And she doesn't age. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. Let's get to um. Let's get to new releases. What's opening in theaters this week, Rich? All right. Starting this weekend, opening up wide is Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. and opening up in limited screens will be Marlowe, a new detective thriller starring Liam Neeson, Diane Kruger, and Jessica Lange. Also opening up in much more limited screens, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, uh, which opened up on uh, on February 15. And depending on how it does, it it might last the weekend. Also opening up in, um, for limited release is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the re-release in 4K. And another small film called Emily. All right, so big movie, Ant-Man, The Wasp, Quantumania, uh, Paul Rudd. You got Jonathan Majors. I would say his like official introduction to the MCU, although he he did appear in Loki. Uh, they're expecting this to make around ninety to a hundred million. What is your predictions for for Ant Man? At first, I thought it was going to be like maybe over one hundred and twenty, because this is this is President's Day weekend, so it'll be, uh, uh, we'll we'll be counting uh, Monday also. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking it might be much less because. The word of mouth just keeps on dropping on this one. It, it, right now, in Rotten Tomatoes is fifty three percent. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, Metascore is mostly mixed reviews on it. That's, no, that's not a good you know start. Find, you know what I find fascinating though about the the Ant Man reviews? 
And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I've noticed that a lot of the people that typically hate Marvel movies seem to not hate this movie as much. <laughs> and the people that like are, you know, kind of like the Marvel, like, you know, they, they love everything Marvel. Mm -hmm. They seem to be the most negative on this movie. So I'm kind of curious, like maybe I'm going to really like this new Ant-Man movie, but... Uh, but regardless, um, all the Marvel movies have been underperforming, and the Ant-Man films have always been, you know, the, the least, uh, the least grossing films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So yeah, we were kind of expecting this to open to around 100 to 120. Now I'm actually thinking this is probably going to open anywhere between 70 to 85 mm -hmm. million, and I'm guessing, yeah, may may maybe like 80. Hmm. The only thing that they have in its in its favor is that it's the only big release this week. Yeah, and yeah. so people might just go to the movie theaters and say, "Why not? I'll just check out Ant Man," even though I'm not particularly a big fan of the Ant Man character. I kind of want to see it in theaters just so I could see the Flash trailer on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think it might do a little bit better than 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 it would Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's definitely going to be. Uh, open bigger than Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just don't think it's going to open that much bigger because Ant-Man and the Wasp, I believe it opened to like 80 million, 75 million. And uh, this will, yeah, again, I think it's going to open a little higher, maybe between five to 10 million higher. But I don't I don't think this is going to be like a, a hundred million opening weekend. No, I don't think so either. I think the reviews is really eye-opening. The fact they're they seem like they're pretty genuine. You know, usually they kind of hold... They wait until the movie's out before they kind of, you know, tell the. Yeah, truth. that's a good point. This, <laughs> yeah. this, the the Rotten Tomato score is going to get even lower and lower by the time this thing is wide. You know, even the 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 positive reviews I've heard, they all kind of say that the first act was really really bad. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how well this movie's going to do. I mean, look, it's going to be the introduction of Kang the Conqueror. He's going to be the new big baddie. It is the first movie in Marvel's Phase Five. Yeah, series. There's a lot, a lot you have to factor into this, and I think you know fans are, are curious. And I've also seen like some like fan reviews online from people who saw the movie early, and there's a lot of people that just are completely confused by the movie and didn't understand it, and that that's definitely going to hurt it. That's definitely really, really going to hurt its uh, second weekend. Yeah, and and I mean this is again this movie is so divisive that I'm hearing some people say that Modoc is the best part of the movie. I'm hearing other people say Modoc is the worst part of the movie. Yeah, I heard bad CGI all around, but particularly Modoc. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's like kind of the bloom is off the rose when it comes to some of these Marvel movies, and I think critics are getting really critical <laughs> for <laughs> for once. Well, I mean, like I said, them. like like you said that the, the Phase Four was obviously a, a letdown mm -hmm. altogether, mm -hmm. and this is the beginning of Phase Five, and and the it, they should have started off with a bang, uh, and and it, and if it seems like it's more of the same, then they're gonna say no, we had enough. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we have to wait and see. It'll be, it'll yeah. be very interesting yeah. to see how how those numbers come out in the in the weekend. Yeah, I, I would say it'll, it might be close to hundred. But um, um, also, I, I checked out the uh, AMC uh, uh, theaters in, across the street from my house. And uh, on Thursdays, yeah, there's there was a bunch of um, you know full in, in, as far as uh, for showing uh, seats sold out, sold out. You know, not not sold out, but you know, it's packed, packed. But as far as Friday goes, which is a, the official first date, the official first day, mm -hmm. there's 
there's theaters empty. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, compared to it, so that's very scary to me. What do you mean? What do you mean by empty? Like it, it, it sold out? No, it's like I mean, you want you want to watch it here? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's available. You're saying it's a oh, available. Okay. Yeah, they haven't sold any seats. Yeah, uh, I have, I've, I've no handful. I've noticed that a lot with a lot of uh, big comic book movies with Marvel and DC movies. A lot of times, like the the Thursday night showings, those early showings completely sold out and then like throughout the rest of the week it's just you know it's playing like any regular movie mm-hmm. maybe everyone's waiting to spend their money on winnie the pooh <laughs> winnie the pooh blood and honey which is getting a very small limited engagement i think it's only playing one day right yeah it comes out uh, uh wednesday I, I actually i might go see it <laughs> uh is it you think this is going to be a new terrifier phenomenon uh people no no not at all not at all but um it'll be probably more fun than ant man and the Watsons. <laughs> no no all right so uh crouching tiger hidden dragon re-release now this is this surprised me i didn't know this was going to be i mean obviously it seems like they're capitalizing on the kind of the new interest in michelle yo as right. she got an Oscar nomination. Well, it is the 25th anniversary too, so they could throw that. In. Is that but is that right? It was is it 25? It might have been last year, but, but that's what they're calling it. I mean, oh okay. <laughs> I mean, I I I love Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I watched oh, yeah. it m- many times in theaters. It's a it's a fantastic uh, uh, experience watching it, and and really, it was the first movie that I remember thinking, oh, Michelle Yeoh is not is not just a martial arts star. She's a real, real actress, and I thought she should have gotten an Oscar nomination that year. I should have. I, I thought she would. Uh, I thought she would have exploded after that movie, and it really it took twenty five years until you know people woke up to her her talents. What, Rich, what was your thoughts on on watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon back then? Oh yeah, for the like uh, for the first time, yeah, definitely it was a very uh, inventive, especially with the. That was the first time we saw uh, Wu Ping's, uh, uh, you know, uh, wire work, and then of course in the Matrix. Um, but um, yeah, that 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 was very entertaining film, and uh, uh, along with the uh, the acting all together with um, Chow Yun Fat and uh, Zhang Ziyu. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you know, energetic. I mean, it was just uh, it was. Would you consider this Ang Lee's best film? I was actually about to ask that. Would you a bit different? Actually, would were you guys already like Ang Lee fans when you saw this movie, or was this like kind of, kind of like your introduction to him? Because this was a very t- different type of movie for him, right? Yeah, I was I was a fan of uh, Ang Lee. Were you rich? Mm-hmm. He was mostly known for his dramas. I mean, the, actually, he's kind of still known for his dramas. Mm-hmm. But I was a big fan of The Ice Storm, which was a movie, a couple movies before this. And Ice Storm was like a really great kind of uh, dissection of of American family. The differences between parents and their and their children in the I think it took place in the late seventies. Yeah, I, I don't think I saw Ice Storm, uh, but I, I did see Sense and Sensibility and Ride with the Devil, mm-hmm. and both of those I enjoyed. So, and so when I heard that he's doing a martial arts film or like a, a wuxi film, I'm like, oh, really? Uh, why? <laughs> you know? And could he pull it off? Right. Because like he, he was never he was never like a a, a flamboyant type of filmmaker or you know like yeah he never really came came off as like a a a person who experimented with camera lenses or moving the camera around but i think it, it, it because of that it really worked for crouching tiger hidden dragon because it wasn't really kind of like the 
Matrix type of films back then or the action films back then. It was really kind of a throwback to the 70s martial arts films. Very much staging the And it's really much more of the pace of the film. And you're telling us this because you're trying to build up to the the fact that you think um, Daniel Destin Credden is the next Ang Lee? (laughs) Uh, No, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, I was actually really pissed off that that people were uh, comparing Shang-Chi to (laughs) Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I think they're two, I think there's huge gaps, you know, of... Well, of one's differences. A <laughs> yeah. One's a Marvel product. I mean, Crouching Tiger really makes you feel like people are floating in the air and fighting in, on top of, of trees, tops. And I mean, there's a magic behind Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that I don't really get from Marvel movies anymore. And maybe it's, you know, the 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 stock nature of Marvel movies now, uh, the paint by numbers uh, that they do now. It really feels... Uh, just too kind of generic, and I don't get that same magic that I did when I w- watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon for the first time. And it really, you know, it took a while. I mean, like if you, <laughs> I remember like it took like maybe twenty minutes before you get to that first action scene, and and it's with Michelle Yeoh and Zhang Ziyi, and it's like oh, it takes twenty minutes to build to that scene, and boy, when you hit the when you hit when that hits, it hits hard, and you get the. Oh, the score by um, um, Yo 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 Ma, Yo Yo Ma, right? The drums and all that stuff. Oh, right. my God, that that movie is special. Yeah, and and it, it was this. I mean, it was this film that brought us to uh, to appreciate this this type of film, and then also with Hero coming not too long after, right? And then House of Flying Daggers. Mm-hmm. I mean, those three right there are the you know the the top of the food chain on that on that period. You know, it was really kind of silly kung fu movies in the late nineties, really. You know, so and once Ang Lee, what he did with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, he made it um, prestigious again. You know, it, it was like what, the biggest international f- film to open in America. It broke a whole bunch of box office records in America. It, it was the it was the parasite of that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think because of that success, it really opened. Uh, a new way of thinking about the wushu films and uh i think china had to like uh had to answer to that and that that's why they made their films uh hero and 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 house of flying Drag- uh, daggers yeah and also um uh, what steven chow did with it uh, with his uh movie uh kung fu hustle mm-hmm. that he made it you know he took that 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 way of directing and made a comedic and made it more i don't know it was just it was cartoonish, yeah. Yeah, and and, and so mind blowing. I I liked all the Stephen Chow movies I saw, but I never saw the, his his last one about the 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 monkey the monkey paw. What was that? I don't remember what it was called. Yeah, Monkey Tales or something. Yeah. But um, but I I would watch it. It's just that's him making something more for um a Chinese audience. So I don't know if I would appreciate it. I think Journey to the West was really really good. Yeah, I I I did, I did watch that one. I remember it though. Yeah, because I I, I, I I did watch that one. I just, it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, I would say Kung Fu Hustle was his peak movie. You know, like, he did, I don't think he did a better film than Kung Fu. Well, I think with Kung Fu Hustle, he was, like, influenced by a lot of your favorite type of movies, Mike. And I think with a lot of the, the stuff he, he did after, he was kind of more doing for more for a Chinese audience. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bugs, Bugs Bunny was a big influence in Kung Fu Hustle. A lot of cartoons. 
but also like uh, like a gangster films. Oh yeah, 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 and yeah, and he was actually kind of making a little fun of the Matrix films because that was hot at the time. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that games, was the Gains of New York. Yeah, Scorsese's Gains of New York was very much an influence uh, for Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm so I'm shocked that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is coming back in theaters. I no one really talked about this. I I, I didn't hear. It. I only heard it this week mm-hmm. that it was getting a re-release. So I hope people uh, go watch it. All right, Rich. Uh, let's talk about streaming. What's coming out in streaming this week? Streaming this weekend will be uh, The Woman King, which uh, which will make its streaming debut on Netflix. Also, the movie I mentioned last weekend, um, Sharper, starring Julianne Moore, will be streaming this time on Apple TV+. And Armageddon Time, the new film by James Gray, will be streaming on Peacock. So Sharper came out last week in theaters. I guess it went on theaters, yeah. This and so it's now coming out on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Uh, Armageddon Time, which I saw, uh, it's making its streaming debut on Peacock. I would, um, I would recommend it if you if you want a darker side of the Fablemans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a it's a movie about James Gray. It's kind of inspired by his childhood. Uh, it really deals with his relationship with his African American best friend at the time. He's a Jewish man. I think it, ha- it does a lot better. Uh, about the culture clash than, say, you people. <laughs> oh. uh, but it's not a comedy. It's really a, a kind of a family drama. It's, it's pretty kind of bleak, but I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's not a beloved film. My critics have criticized it, and I, I, I think some of those criticisms are, is valid, but I found it to be a very uh, insightful film. Yeah, I guess he, he pulled no punches as far as uh, telling his own story. Yeah, I mean, the, the kid who is kind of based on him is a really kind of a an a-hole <laughs> he's a prick yeah he's a prick so i was i was shocked that there it, it wasn't like reinventing history or, or, or is that a revisionist he was trying to you know tell a truthful story and i, I appreciate that all right we gotta do our a super bowl what do you mean what are you talking we about we gotta talk about the super bowl uh, trailers let me get your thoughts on on um the super bowl trailer I, I barely, I barely watched the Guardians trailer. Like I think this morning or something like that. Oh, so did you miss most of the TV spots? Uh, what were they? Yeah, some of the the lower ones, like the like the ones that didn't really necessarily count, like Scream, the new Scream movie, uh, Dungeons and Dragons had a spot. There was a sixty five, which is the new Adam Adam Driver science I fiction saw that film. One. You saw that one? Yeah, they put they put that one online before the Super Bowl. Oh, I saw a Super Mario Bros. commercial. Oh, it yeah, was like yeah. a commercial for plumbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was yeah, that yeah. For Super Bowl, it was like, a, like a fake commercial, right? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, the some of the bigger ones that came out: uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast, which is more of a Porsche does commercial than anything else. But it, it, you know. yeah, really. So is, is Pete Davidson the the main Transformer that Anthony Ramos is going to be hanging out with? I yes. don't know, but I mean, he's the... that, that doesn't sound appealing <laughs> to me at all. So. Peter or or Pete David Davidson is the voice of Mirage, and he is the Porsche. So maybe because the the the, the commercial was centered around the Porsche, because it seemed like a a co part, you know, a co sponsor uh, uh, commercial for the movie and and the Porsche. Maybe that's yeah, why like he the, was like the um, like the first ones were uh, Chevy. Sure. So maybe that's why Pete Davidson was all in the in the in the commercial, but he won't be. 
in the movie once we <laughs> see it in theaters. But who knows? Well, he's not going to, his face isn't going to be in the movie anyway. No, it's his voice, right. Um, So, Air, which is the new... uh. Oh, well, I saw the trailer for that like a week ago, and I, I, that movie looks interesting because it looks like a good movie, but it also looks like a like a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, like I thought John Campia c- compared it to to um to like Moneyball and uh the big the big oh. the big short. And I'm like, I think that's kind of spot on, but yeah. it looks like the 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 HBO the the HBO film version of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a new Ben Affleck film about the making of the Air Jordan shoe. And Matt Damon plays a Nike shoe salesman who was the guy who was able to get a rookie, a then rookie, Michael Jordan, to sign on to Nike. And I guess at the time, Nike was kind of a failing uh, company, or they were known for their basketball shoes at the time. So it's a good story. You got Viola mm-hmm. Davis, who plays Michael Jordan's mother, and you got Ben Affleck, who's co-stars in this, and uh, a couple of big names, Jason Bateman. And Marlon Wayans, Chris Tucker. I I was surprised yeah. to see him in this cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I and I'm 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 all for a Chris Tucker uh, comeback. So maybe this is it. So I'm 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 psyched for the movie. This is going to mm-hmm. be the first of a uh, of their new production company. Ben Affleck's and Matt Damon's just started a new production company. And did it up- start with the uh, the Last Duel? No, no. But I guess maybe that okay. started their new collaboration because. This is going to be the first of their new production company, which is, I, they said that it's going to be, they're, or they're aiming for three films a year, and that oh, might wow. go to five films a year. And that not might, that's not just their, their, I mean, their, their own personal films. They're they're looking for other projects to produce. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, so if Eric is a from, a, a, from Jason Mann, <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Yes. Or John uh, uh, John mm-hmm. Gulliger. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of like their Project Greenlight uh, production again. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, if this is a if Air is successful, then I, I will I will I would think that the 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 company the production company will be successful. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, it that's a MGM producer. Yeah, right? yeah. So and I think it's going to be an Amazon. Uh, eventually, it's going to be premiering at Amazon Prime, but it's going to uh, be released in theaters in April. First, oh really? I thought it was. Uh, I didn't know it was a theatrical thing. No, it's a it's a the it's a theatrical. They say they say in the trailer, coming on so exclusively cheap? in theaters. Why does it look so cheap? Because it was probably cheap. a low budget, mm-hmm. probably a low budget movie. Oh, okay. It's probably like okay, a twenty million dollar movie, like yeah. Okay, because they because it looks uh, the script. I I really do think like it looks like the, an Oscar contender. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But the way the movie looks, the way it's shot, mm-hmm. it almost gives me a like funnier dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, maybe because it's set in the eighties and everyone has like maybe these puffy so it's shit, like, but, but know, shirts. It's, no, but it's cheap eighties. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it's like eighties mm-hmm. on a budget, so it makes it look like <laughs> a funnier dad video. It's kind of like the what you guys were talking about with um with Til, Til, you know, Til, it's, yeah. it's a good movie. It's a good movie, but like the production, you know, helps it back. It makes it look like this, like uh, almost like PBS special or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's I, like I think I'm. I guess you know I would. I never thought this before, but I think when you're dealing with some period dramas, I think you have to shoot it on film. I think just film yeah, gives I've, it. I've a been certain... saying that since I was a kid, <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought that 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 way. I thought digital was fine. No, it's not. Now I like I'm I'm changing my tune, and I think. 
when you when, certainly when you're dealing with films that take place during the eighties or even D- digital digital's fine. Digital's fine if you're truly like somebody that has no money. Money, you know what I mean? Right. Like if you're a student, if if you're just trying Hold to make up. a name for yourself. It's but a... if you have studio backing and you're making a period piece, there's absolutely no excuse to shoot it on uh, digital, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you could. I mean, you could do. You could also do it the on digital and then have a that extra grainy filter <laughs> um like how they do the lakers uh hbo series the um yeah oh right right, yeah, right. That, look, that looks good yeah the lakers show, yeah lakers show uh, they seem, but that, that they seem like they changed the format that seems like somewhat what was shot on, on digital and also some on vhs tape you know old school tape you know yeah <laughs> no 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 the lakers uh oh okay. HBO yeah, series. Yeah, yeah yeah no i think that's all you know oh yeah it's all filters kind of, that, yeah, yeah it's, it's all, all kind of computer, computer all right yeah, I think I think you know, like Guillermo del Toro's films are all done digitally, and but he does it in the way where he puts a lot of smoke and he makes sure that he gets like that blur of background. You know, like he he does an extra thing too with the lenses that I don't think people recognize, or you know, they don't put that in their equation when they come to shoot films well, this, or this shoot is directed by, This is directed by Ben Affleck, who and it seems like he's directed it the same way as uh, Argo, but mm-hmm. um, with 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 a digital camera instead. So it's the same way, and and instead it looks more like a halt to catch fire. Well, maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's a shot on film. We don't know. Yeah, it just looks cheap because it didn't. Just like like we were saying, it doesn't have a much but much of a budget. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so that was air. That that trailer aired during uh, the Super Bowl. One of the big one of the big trailers for a big movie that came out right before big game was Fast X. Vin Diesel, baby, he's back. Yeah, I saw the I saw the trailer. Um, I, I think before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm, yeah, and and you know, it, it, I think it looks I think it looks pretty cool. I think it looks like a fun movie to <laughs> watch in 4DX, like a nice like roller coaster ride. I don't know if it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really think. Um, I haven't re- really thought any of them have been good in a while. Uh-huh. But I also haven't thought any of them were you know as bad as some people might say. I thought they. I think they're all you know. Just kind of brainless action movies. <laughs> I don't go in expecting much, and I don't. I think some people. I think some people expect too much from these movies. You got to remember, this is the project where Justin Lin started shooting for a couple of weeks, and then he said, "I'm out of here. I can't deal with Vin Diesel no yeah. more. His yeah. ego got you know the best of him, and I can't deal with it. So I'm out." Yeah. And so they kind of stopped for a bit, and then they were able to hire um, Louis Louis Leterrier Louis Leterrier who is from, um, what did he do? Uh, he did Transporter. Uh, Transporter, Transporter movies. Incredible Hulk and uh, Lupin for Netflix. Yes. So he's a French-born action uh, director. And I th- always thought he was a very, very good director. He also did the, um, the Sh- Sasha Baron Cohen comedy. And mm-hmm. Brothers Grimsby. And uh-huh. I thought that was a an underlooked or underappreciated uh, action comedy. Uh, so he's, he's so he's directing this one. And I... Is he done? This is a two part finale, so this is going to be another film. Is he directing the second part too? I would think so. Do you think they shot it back to back? No, no, <laughs> uh, uh, hopefully they did because the Dom's son is going to be probably like 12 years old, but yeah, he's tall about eight years old. It's going to look like uh, Dom, what little Dom, whatever, whatever his name is. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Pablo, <laughs> just. Well, the main villain in this movie is Jason Momoa, and I, I, when I was watching the trailer, I go, I don't know if Jason Momoa has enough heft to 
to take down the this 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 movie. I think he needed he needs an extra dude. He's got his you, mama. You know you know what was my reaction when I saw uh Jason Momoa? Mm-hmm. That he just looks really strange with this new kind of facial hair they gave him in the movie. I don't know what they did, but he just he looks weird, man. <laughs> well, at one point he has like a ponytail. A ponytail, but it's like but it's like done like what's it called? Pigtails or something like there was like at one point like yeah he's, yeah he's, when he's driving the car right, right he has when like they're pig, doing the race and he's doing something with the pigtails I'm like the hair gets in the way man yeah is that supposed to, <laughs> but is that supposed to be menacing or something I was I was cracking up I go you know part of me if you really look at the at the trailer I was thinking this is part of Dom's figment of his imagination that Jason Momoa is not necessarily there and this is all a fake I think it's a Fight Club scenario. <laughs> Where Dom no. is just really fighting himself. So that's what the X from Fast and X, he's on X? Well, I mean, Jason Momoa doesn't talk to anyone else than Dom. Yeah. Like, when he has, like, that pigtails, and he goes, you made a mistake, you you used my car, whatever. It really feels like he's talking to himself. I don't know. I don't know. This is such a strange trailer. Uh, but, uh, you know, I like the kind of action. It, uh, You know, there's a great scene where um, Michelle Rodriguez is fighting... Uh, Charlie Theron, and I thought that was pretty cool. But I mean, this movie's gonna be stupid as hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's gonna, I think it's gonna be smarter than the last one, or the last two, maybe. Well, I mean, they, they they've done this they've done this storyline before, right? Like, where, of course. This this feels very similar to like Fast and the Furious Four. Was it the fourth one where Michelle Rodriguez like dies and then like bring her back a couple movies later? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This franchise is so bizarre. <laughs> How about this? Secretly. Dom died in the last film, <laughs> yeah, and this right. is all him fighting to get out of hell. And Jason Momoa is like the devil, trying to bring, you know trying to bring him back to hell, and he's fighting for his family get out of hell. That sounds like um, that sounds like um, a race in Arizona or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like your sequel to Drive. <laughs> drive angry, and your your theory your theory in Drive is that he's uh he was always an alien or a demon. I still yeah, believe yeah, that. Okay. I still believe that. Did did he was did, a Jason, did Jason Momoa like gain weight for the role or something? Uh, Vin Diesel did. <laughs> Just as little as I'm out of <laughs> No, but I mean, like Jason Momoa, like he doesn't look like Aquaman. <laughs> oh yeah, that's he, he looks, looks like Aquaman. Like was like I'm gonna eat some donuts. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't. He. I know he's buff, but right. he doesn't look like buff. Well, that's what happens in age. Look at Matt Damon. He, he's a beer. He's a big beer drinker. Momoa, Jason Momoa, yeah, and probably Vin Diesel too. Probably he had a hernia. So, yeah, he had a hernia. Yeah, so, but he's also known for just drinking, 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 like with the crew. Like I'm not talking about on the when he's working. I'm talking about off hours and stuff like that. And he goes on vacations to Hawaii or whatever. And you know, there's a lot of times where he's just drinking, drinking, drinking. So he has a beer gut, probably. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's this. It's just it's just crazy that he goes from like beer gut to like you know Aquaman, right? I mean, yeah. And and then it's like he's like, so uh, Vin, you, you need me to get in shape for the movie? He's like, no, I'll just keep that, make me look better. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, uh, kind of the full length trailer that came out. That was uh, there was a actually there was another spot that came out for the Super Bowl, but you saw the the, the trailer, Raymond? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was boring. 
Oh, really? You didn't like it? Yeah, I didn't, it, it, didn't, it didn't hate it, but it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I like the first trailer, the teaser trailer, much better than this one. Although, you get to see a little bit about what was going on with, um, I guess, the Rocket's origin story. That you got the guy from the Peacemaker series. He's he's the, the black mm-hmm. guy who's playing the, the evil scientist who created Rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a little, little shot of Adam Warlock, played by Will Poulter. And, you know, Cosmo, the space dog, <laughs> which is going to be voiced by Maria Bakalova. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I don't know. It, there's some bits here. I, I, I didn't necessarily like, like the, the, you know, it didn't really say anything new about the movie. But I think, you know, I, like I said, I'm I'm hopeful because James Gunn, he's ending his trilogy with this one. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest surprise was that we got to see a lot more Zoe Sandana or, or Gamora character in it and she's not the same person they call her a dick in the movie because you know was this was this the first trailer that we saw um the uh evil scientist uh chuck woody uh Iwaji? i think so i know so it's no, it far teaser yeah but this this one he was a lot more though yeah this one he actually does stuff yeah, yeah. he was talking in this one i, I like the trailer but um i, I actually like the the tv spot too and i wish i really wish they put it up well what was the other one uh, indiana jones the Dial of Destiny. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch it. Rich, what was your thoughts on the, on that one? It, it looked like it looked more p- uh, appealing to me mm-hmm. than uh, the, the 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 first trailer or whatever. The the CGI I saw on it looked good mm-hmm. compared to the the, the, the other CGI. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. It was. It was real quick and uh, it was fine. Yeah. I mean, it was a thirty uh, minute spot. Uh, it, it thirty it moved, second spot or thirty second spot had a well quick pace to it. Uh, I agree. I, I think it, it's better than the teaser trailer. You know, you get to see Indiana Jones punching out a Nazi. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's funny. It's it's. I still don't have much hope for the movie because I I think it's just going to be pretty dull. Can't be as bad as the last one. It can be. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully it's, it's not. Hopefully you know. Hopefully if it's just like kind of a nice kind of action adventure film, that's all I could hope for. It's gonna be it's gonna be like Solo. <laughs> You know, if it's like solo, I'm 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 fine with that. But I'm not. Here's a good thing. It's Harrison Ford's last Indiana Jones film. Allegedly. It, it's about time, you know. He's too old for this and they said that last time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the main big movie that everyone was talking about. The Flash official trailer. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of like I mentioned earlier, man, I, this is this is something I find fascinating because all the people that I've seen online that you know you would be you would expect to be the ones like, oh, I hate this movie, cancel this movie, and they're like loving this. Yeah, but I'm seeing a lot of people online are still like very against this movie. <laughs> so I was like, man, this this movie just it can't win, it can't win. But it's still one, it's still it's still won the Super Bowl because everything else was so shitty. I think uh, what people have been saying about Ezra Miller is that no one really knows who he is. And I think when Quentin Tarantino came out and says like, "There's no who more," they are right, they are. And, and when Quentin Tarantino came out and says like, um, you know, there's no more movie stars anymore. It's really the you know the star of movies are the comic book characters, and I think this is going to approve his argument. Because I think no one thinks Ezra Miller is a movie star, but they think The Flash is the star. And I think they're going to go to this movie because they're going to see The Flash. And I think it's going to do very well. The trailer really surprised me about Uh how epic the scope of the movie is. I didn't think it was going to be that big of an epic. 
And so I was very surprised and very pleased with the trailer. Yeah, I, it, uh, amazing. That's what it was. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a true Super Bowl TV spot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's the the only one that 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 they showed that goes, wow, I'm going to buy tickets right now. Um, it's like shit. I mean, and it comes I, out soon. Yeah, <laughs> comes out yeah, a couple, couple months. Yeah, and you go shit. Why did it have to be Ezra Miller? You know, I know because I want to see a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> I did the movie. I haven't even seen the movie yet, and I want them to continue the storyline. Yeah, I, I really hope it's as good as they say because it, it certainly does look like it with that trailer. Yeah, it's, it's you know, like I know the there's a conversation about how um you know is there movie stars in hollywood anymore and you know i just said that most people are going to see this movie because of the flash character but i think a lot of people are going to see this because of michael keaton <laughs> as batman again. i think the moment in the in the trailer which is the my favorite moment moment in the trailer is when you know when michael keaton says i'm batman and i think that was one of the great trailer moments I've seen in recent years and, and, and it made me laugh out loud and it made me go, oh fuck. Yeah, that's right. Michael Keaton was the best Batman. <laughs> you did know? you see the did you see the fan made trailer I texted you guys? Yeah. Yeah. That like that really like showcases like the whole Batman of it all. I'm like, the, oh man. The whole arc of his Yeah. <laughs> I, I I can't I mean I can't wait for this movie. Uh fuck these Marvel movies. <laughs> fuck yeah man. I mean surprisingly you know the flash film feels like what you know justice league film should have been or you know i'm talking about josh josh whedon film or um, you know some of these other films that they don't they didn't have this kind of epic scope to it or you know this kind of well-meaning or like say for for instance when i saw the black adam trailer i'm like i don't really care about this <laughs> you know the flash is just totally different i know what you mean like i like black adam but there was something missing from the marketing and there was still something missing from the movie Oh, a lot missing from the movie, but um, but the 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 one thing that you know really kind of stands out from the Flash trailer to me, you know, forgetting Batman, forgetting you know multiverse and all that stuff, <laughs> is this is a Flash centric storyline. Yeah, Batman's there, but this is still a Flash movie, right? And you know, unlike you know a lot of these you know recent you know comic book movies, I'm talking about specifically the Marvel ones. There's there's a focus on, you know, on, on character and there's a focus, you know, this whole storyline, you know, about him wanting to, you know, be with his mother. Mm-hmm. Where, where's that for, where's that been in Marvel? I remember Marvel movies used to have that all the time. That was a big part of their movies. And uh-huh. it's like, they still have it in their films, but it feels like an afterthought almost. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, it, I don't, I don't know how to quite to put it to words, but the the way they're handling it, it almost feels like, um like there's just no heart into it anymore. Like yeah, in this trailer we have more heart than you know <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the entirety of Wakanda Forever, it, and because it's all kind of focused on his relationship of trying to save his mother and his you know trying to re- reconnect with his mother, and you know he brought up Wakanda Forever. The death scene of of uh, of Angela Bassett was like really that's what they're gonna do. <laughs> like it, it had no like emotional stakes to it, you know, like mm-hmm. when, it, when it happened because it really was kind of felt like a, a last minute rewrite or, and I think it was, I think, uh, you know, I remember reading something about Angela Bassett trying to say, you know, trying to, trying to save her character and say, I don't want this to happen. And I, I should have just focus on what kind of forever. I mean, I think a lot of Marvel, a lot of comic movies. You can say, say about heart. multiverse yeah. of madness. Yeah. Didn't have that heart. And, um, 
That's why I think I have high hopes for The Flash. And that's why I think uh, The Samaritan was a very good comic movie last year. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, Slice Stallone, man. No, no. no I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I have. Not. Look, it just really, really, really uh, shocked me. No, do you think Ezra Miller's going to come out and like do apology tour and uh, say a lot? Of, you know, like you know, come out. I don't and... know, but it, but he's going to he's going to promote the movie, right? I mean, uh, Ezra will have to, right? Uh, or I don't know. I mean, it's so it's so weird because you're like you were saying, it's in a couple of months. In June is coming out in June, which is only a couple of months, and so. Ezra better come out and if it's if they are going to apologize, I didn't. They they, they might just do the thing where um like the studios are like you can't ask any questions about this, you can't talk about this. I don't know. Well, he's going to do foul. He's going to do Fallon and he's going to address his situation. I don't know. I I I, I Fallon seems specifically like the type of person like if he's told like don't mention this, he won't mention it. <laughs> right, no, no, right. No, but no, no. But that's the, the Fallon's the safest one to uh, right to 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 come out and apologize or whatever. What does Warner Brothers own? Like no, Jimmy I mean Kimmel, yeah, like anything in the Warner Brothers lot, like Kelly Clarkson and stuff like that. And okay, the, the, and like and so he'll, he'll do all those because um, Disney Disney owns Jimmy Kimmel, so. Kimmel will have all the you know the Marvel people. Uh, who does the, who does the DC have? What the Warner Brothers? Yeah, I mean what the what what shows? What talk shows? Like I said, Kelly Clark. It used to be and uh, oh. and the the Fallon could do it because it's um it's a they, new, neutral zone. Uh-huh. They used to have Conan because of TBS, but they, they don't have that anymore. Yeah, but no one cares about Conan anymore. I no, don't but know, I mean people watch the YouTube clips. It's funny because like, I, and I think it could happen. Like when Shia LaBeouf came. <laughs> Like I thought, Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf was in a bad spot, right? He was in a really bad yeah. spot, and then he did a couple talk show appearances and really just like podcast appearances. He did one with he did like a two hour interview with uh, John Berenthal in his podcast, uh-huh. and really opened up in a lot of ways. And I and I didn't see all of it, but I'm like, oh, I saw clips of it. I'm going, fuck, this guy is raw, and I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to him. He, and he had some like really horrible allegations. Uh, thrown at him so and uh, it, and now with the kind of the, the the whole backstory about how he was cast in uh don't worry darling and that that he wasn't the bad guy in that that story <laughs> that it was olivia uh wild wild was kind of like oh she's the bad girl or she's the bad woman and that, that i mean it really seems like shia labeouf is not, I, i'm not sure he's fully back but i think there's at least a little more sympathy to his 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 journey whenever it is his comeback mm-hmm. journey and i think he's gonna you know so i'm i'm i think it could happen you just gotta be really open to talk to somebody and maybe he, uh ezra could like do these podcast appearances to i mean i don't know there's tons of people he could talk to who have these open forum discussions and uh you know please please kind of plead his case and uh or their case and just say whatever, you know, just be totally open to whatever. And I think, I think it would, I mean, I think the problem is with, with Ezra's case is like, it's such a mystery. We don't know what the hell happened. Something must have happened to Ezra at, at a personal level, because it, it really seemed like only a three, four years ago that there was a breakdown and there was just a series of just arrests and 
these, you know, well, uh, allegations and, and, and incidents. And, and, and it had to have been something in his personal life. Right. I mean, and he's talked about it in interviews that, um, and I guess this has like nothing to do with, well, maybe a little to do, but, well, he's talked in the past, like when he was promoting, um, I remember when he was promoting the perks of being a wallflower. Was mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. So that's what it was called? Yeah, I think so. I remember yeah. when he was promoting that movie that he talked about like uh being like sexually abused as um I think when he was like twelve. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that 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 has that must have something to do with it. Cause I mean like I mean experiences like that must you know really fuck you up for life. And also the pressures of Hollywood, because like Ezra got cast in a couple of big films, <laughs> uh Fantastic Beasts and um was I guess the, fl- the Flash. The Flash. You know, yeah, the Flash. So I, I I don't want to say anything because I don't really know what you know if he's guilty or not. But I'm very interested in hearing him, hearing their their story, and, uh, and trying. I want to listen to Ezra's story. I want I want to see what. How ironic do. is it that uh, years ago, um, uh, you know, one the the <clears throat> the the first movie that relaunched Marvel was Iron Man, which was um, headed by a. Robert Dagier, who was who was known as a a rehab, you know, out of the out of straight out of rehab, basically, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, basically, I mean, just out of the gutter, and he he starts the franchise that that'll you know bring Marvel to what it is now, mm-hmm. and here Ezra Miller is basically out of the gutter also, <laughs> and he's he's the one who could bring back DC to whatever DC could end up to being. You, do you think uh, DC is going to continue with Ezra? If it makes $2 million, uh, yes. $2 million. Billion. Oh, billion. Oh, oh no, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but it's not even because of the movie being a hit. I think it's just like James Gunn's the, the boss now. You know what I mean? Right, remember, right. remember, this is a film that's not only the movies. It's toys mm-hmm. yeah sure mm-hmm. so if there if if there's a if there's toys that are actually selling from this movie if it's that good and if there's a bunch of Ezra toys out there they're gonna keep the toys they're gonna keep the Ezra they're gonna keep his looks or how you could put the mask on <laughs> that's, that's true be, that's true too, have to but, take off uh, the mask but you're dealing with children uh, uh yeah and, it's, it's if it's more more of a gamble. That's, that's why we got to have more Supergirl toys and stock the shelves with Supergirl toys and Michael Keaton and toys. make sure it's not the next Rose Tico. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, what was your wait? We we didn't really talk about Shasa Calais. Sasha Calais. Um, she she seems good. I mean, uh, she she looks great in the costume and that flying shot in the end of the trailer. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I mean, she looks she 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 she's the one that probably gets the least focused. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she she looks great in the cost in the costume. Most of what we see of her is CGI, really. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's really hard to 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 get a grasp. But but I mean, we do see her that they're doing the the Flashpoint storyline with uh with Superman, you know, being locked in this kind kind of government agency, you know, being blocked from the sun, so he has no powers. We we see them doing that storyline, and I like that. But huh? it's it's they're replacing it with Supergirl, right? Yeah, and I, I like that. Right. I think I think it's I think it's smart. <laughs> I think it works, and um, I think it's, I think it's exciting. 
Yeah, it seems like because they didn't know what to do with with the Superman character, you know, you got to remember this was, what, shot three years ago (laughs) or four years ago? (laughs) And they still didn't have a, you know, a contract with Henry Cavill. So they know, they knew like, well, we're not going to bring Superman, so let's make this alternative world. It seems like uh, um, Michael Shannon's character, um, Zod. Zod. Is I guess he came to Earth, and then this alternative timeline came to Earth, but it was an Earth without Superman. It was just an Earth with with Supergirl, and it seems like it was yeah, like you were saying, uh, Supergirl was captured and and put in prison. Uh that sounds all cool, man. I mean, I didn't like like I said, I didn't expect that kind of sequence where she breaks out, or it looks like she mm-hmm. breaks out yeah. with Batman, you know, and. They mentioned that that there's no uh, it's a world without me- meta humans. So I thought that all all that's cool, you know. Well, after watching this trailer, I have a lot more faith on Annie Muschietti, uh-huh. and I have a um uh, I'm really hoping that he basically took this 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 whole project over, and he definitely rewrote it. And and uh, Christina Hudson has nothing to do with this film. <laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> but uh, let let me ask you: Did you guys um? Did you guys ever watch? Um, wait, wait, wait. Eight, I think Richard two? wants to talk about how bad uh, Birds of Prey. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys ever watch It Chapter Two? No, I no. gotta watch it now. And so it's funny because yeah, I, I, I I like I rewatched, Chapter One. Um, yeah, I love Chapter One, but I I rewatched um, the original It, you know, with Tim Curry, like a couple a couple days ago, and um, I always I always loved that TV movie. You know, I always thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. But I always love the second half more. Like, I like how weird the movie gets. Yeah. And I think the way Andy Muschietti brought that second half to life in the, in the, in the sequel just really, really works. Like, I thought, you know, because a lot of people don't like, you know, a lot of the decisions that were made in, in that storyline in the second half. But I think he just makes it work. And it, it's very kind of bizarre stuff. It gets very Stephen Keen. But uh, I don't I don't know. He just kind of takes this very kind of, a uh, convoluted storyline and just makes it kind of simple, and um, which which makes him a good choice for the Flash. <laughs> Did you watch Mama? Is like kind of his. I think his yeah his feature yeah, film debut. Yeah, I I did. I didn't I didn't love it, but you, you know, it's it's cool. Mm. All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, look, looks uh, the Flash trailer looks pretty awesome, and that's what you want from a a big kind of superhero summer movie like that, and that you know. I'm I'm praying it's good. Praying it's good. All right, that was our thoughts on the Super Bowl trailers. That's it for this episode of Inside Flicks. We'll be back next week. Bye bye.